Hello again, I'm Pastor Mark, and I want to engage in a larger conversation about church culture. Churches are growing ever more anxious, pastors are becoming more frazzled and discouraged. And I believe, together, instead of becoming lost in the anxious waters of our world that are swirling all around us, the church can have a conversation that draws us into the feet of Jesus, anchored in His peace and His purpose. Today, let's talk about non-disclosure agreements and the church. Welcome to episode four of the Non-Anxious Church Podcast, where we are cultivating a church culture that isn't lost in the sea of anxiousness, one podcast at a time. I hope this podcast has been an opportunity for us all to reflect on what it looks like to not only be part of this this beautiful bride of Christ, but to help cultivate it in such a way in which we are full of goodness Um, and we're abiding in the presence of Jesus. Today we need to have a hard conversation about the rising use of non-disclosure agreements in the church. Should a church use non-disclosure agreements? Is this a sign of an anxious church? And that's the question we need to consider. That's the question I want you to consider. If you don't know what a non-disclosure agreement is, let me give you a quick... um, definition from the Oxford Dictionary. It says it's this. It's a contract by which one or more parties agree to disclose confidential information that they have shared with each other as a necessary part of doing business together. Uh, And to use it as an example, all staff sign non-disclosure agreements, thus ensuring the confidentiality of a propriety information, right? So it's this idea that we aren't going to talk about what is behind closed doors publicly. We are going to keep that all a secret. We are going to sign it. And it's a legally binding document that keeps things from being shared outside of the business or place of which the NDA, the non-disclosure agreement, uh, is, is surrounding. And this is an important definition for our understanding, this Oxford Dictionary, of understanding churches and NDAs, that it's a contract by which one or more parties agree not to disclose confidential information in the process of doing business together. For non-disclosure agreements are a legal document that are even helpful in many circumstances um, outside of the church. Think of things like trade secrets. Um, When a company's working behind the scenes on something that has trade secrets involved, Um, and and an employee quits and goes to their competitor, right? Like this is where an NDA would make sure that the competitor doesn't immediately get the secret sauce. Um, And speaking of secret sauce, like Bush Beans, right? If you've ever seen the commercials about what's the secret to Bush Beans and what's the secret recipe and the dog won't tell you and all that, all that, it's a a long running joke in commercial, in the commercials, Bush Beans is secret. Like that's the idea. NDA would protect from the dog going to another company and spilling the beans, if you will. We also, you know, think about like Google or Microsoft or Apple who are always coming up with innovative technology and new things and and working on secret projects behind closed doors that they wouldn't want the hand 
They wouldn't want it in the hands of their competitors. Wouldn't want it in the hands of each other. Inventors, right? Inventors that may have a, a staff that they work with that also um, is helping out. They would probably want to make sure that their inventions don't get into the hands of companies or other places until they're able to sell it in the proper channel. So NDAs have a legal purpose in some regards. Um, in, in its proper context, probably would be really helpful. Yet a growing trend in the last couple of decades were to use it to prevent uh, to prevent this idea of slander or sharing of dirty laundry, eventually leading to NDAs signed that actually covered up legal and criminal wrongdoings. Like this is what NDAs have led to that like instead of using it as a place to re to protect trade secrets or tech companies, it started being used to cover up criminal activity and legal wrongdoings. Um, and so these these they these people couldn't they were silenced essentially. And we've seen a rise of NDAs in this anxious world around us. We've applied that anxious practice into our church. Because at the end of the day, doing NDAs to protect or silence or uh, keep things at bay is sort of an anxious practice. It's this idea of sort of preventing and protecting because you're so worried and, and nervous that, that secrets would get out there. And churches started to take this on. Sadly, churches started to take this on. Most notably, though certainly not exclusively, here's some examples that I found the other day. Um, this, was a, this is via the Roy's report and NDAs that were used in many of the public and famous scandals. One example, that, they have a few examples. Here's the examples. Lori Ann Thompson, the first of Ravi Zacharias' victims to speak out, had been bound by an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement. She wrote it felt dehumanizing. Former staff with the Acts 29 Church Network recounted being fired and forced to sign non-disclosure agreements after alerting leaders in 2015 to bullying and abuse of power. Survivors of abuse at Camp Kanakuk, one of the country's largest Christian camps, suggested that NDAs concealed the truth in order to preserve a ministry brand and an economic engine. And the new church founded by Mark Driscoll, requires volunteers to sign an NDA, a former security director said. Even Classical Conversations, which produces homeschool education materials, has required contractors to sign NDAs. Whistleblowers said the companies amounted to a multi-level multi marketing scheme, exploiting parents and low-level contractors. And that's from the Roy's report. These are just some examples. I was just reading a quote from them. However, these are certainly not the only examples. They may they may just be the most famous ones. We see this NDAs being used in smaller and bigger churches alike. We see this even rebranded sometimes as non-disparage agreements, which is a similar legal document used to silence people from speaking of a place, person, or organization. So sometimes we're, we've been told don't use NDAs, and so they find a different way to do the exact same thing, silence and, and protect in an anxious sort of way. To go back to the Roy's report in their reporting on an organization called NDA Free, NDA Free, Non-Disclosure Agreements Free, they spoke to a, a psychologist on the topic, Diane Lamberg, um, who's a Christian psychologist and an advocate for victims of abuse. She's, she noted that she's encountered, that when she's encountered NDA, they've always been in agreement to exercise power over and hide sin. In my experience, she says, such a requirement is demanded for the sake of a system, usually a ministry of some sort. Landborg wrote earlier this year, 
So a Christian is asked to agree to cover up wrongdoing for the sake of the system, or worse, for the sake of God's reputation. It suggests that to speak truth is to hurt God and his name. How can this be, she says. And that's where we're, that's where we're getting to on this podcast. This idea, how can it be to share truth is actually, sometimes we use uh, silence and silencing people as a way of protecting God as if he needs some sort of protection. Silencing people, covering things up, hiding problems. Some even go so far as hush money. Why would a church ever be part of this? What would drive a church to have staff and volunteers sign NDAs? Anxiousness. Anxiousness for what, though, may be the question. Anxiousness for what? Because we can see that it's this inner angst. It's this, this fear of and this fear over that is being used to protect. Well, the reality is this. Every church, organization, committee, business has some messiness. Hopefully not criminal or toxic, right? I mean, we obviously know there are some, but every church, even, even good ones, have some some messiness of doing things together, right? Like, <laughs> you know, there's messiness in your family just from being around other people. Humans interacting with other people can create messiness sometimes. Um, but it's it's still messy and uh, when humans are trying to work together. And I'm talking about the normal human messiness, where you know people's issues, where there may be conflict amongst persons, where discussions turn to frustrations, making and leading together is not always easy. This idea that, that there's this messiness involved with just working together. And churches are not immune to the messiness of humanity, where conflict and frustration happen. Maybe even poor leadership, where small mistakes were made, where that happens publicly is not always what happens privately, right? Like this idea, for example, let's use an example. This might help. The discussion behind the scenes about supporting a specific mission agency. So imagine a church that's behind the scenes discussing their support of a specific mission agency. The church board is split about it. For one side thinks the money should go somewhere else, like the upkeep of a building. We've been putting off the roof project. We need to re-roof the building. And the other side's going, no, it's all about helping the poor or helping this mission agency. Um, and there's this back and forth, maybe even frustrations that have led to, that have to eventually lead to apologies where people are upset with each other. And there's some messiness involved in all this sort of stuff. Maybe somebody even storms out of the room because they're frustrated with the discussion because they can't believe there'd be somebody in the room that would be so self-centered as wanting to work on a roof instead of send money to a mission agency that needs it, right? You can imagine this happening. Then the church, like the general congregation, gets a postcard in the mail. And it says something along the lines of, as the leadership team at Faith Church, we have decided to send $10,000 to help. And this is where you insert mission agency uh, there. We are excited to partner with God in this. That's what it says. And so now the church congregation gets this postcard in the mail. And they think privately the, the, the di discussion around supporting the mission agency was very normal, very uh, uh, good and healthy. They don't realize all the messiness that actually took place to come to this conclusion. Maybe even the people storming out of the room. Now, what happened here? Leadership that eventually led to a decision. It may have been ugly, but the only side of this discussion the body or the congregation sees is the official stance and the postcard. 
There may be some that are embarrassed about how frustrating the discussion was. There may be some that would never want somebody to know what they actually said because they said it in anger or frustration and they want to be seen as a good leader and a, and a, and a strong leader or whatever, right? Like they want to be seen in these lights and so they do this. Now, if you apply this to other issues that churches deal with, say hiring or firing of staff, which is a big one, maybe COVID procedure, which is sort of a relevant one, uh, style of worship, which is sort of an ongoing discussion, use of money, etc. All these things that churches discuss may or may not always be easy and uh, wonderful and healthy. Sometimes they can lead to frustrations and problems and messiness and all this kind of stuff in the church, the larger church, the body, the congregation sees only unity maybe or sees only a forward direction and they think like it's all good and so there would be anxious leaders in that room going i hope no one ever finds out that we actually were kind of aggressive about this or we are frustrated about this or say if this is i'm talking about healthy church here too so imagine an unhealthy church that is trying to hide or cover things up it could be much worse and like most people admitting these imperfections even in healthy churches, admitting imperfections and pain is hard. We struggle as humans, just one-on-one -on -one individuals to be vulnerable. So churches, a group of, of individuals coming together in the unity of the body of Christ is going to also struggle to be vulnerable. And in some ways, you don't need to share every private discussion publicly. And maybe I should make that clear. You don't need to discuss you don't need to make sure like, actually, we had a big fight about this and you all should know this, right? You, you can see some of that. Um, but you don't need to share all that publicly. And this can be where the anxiousness of letting a staff go could lead to an unhealthy practice of an NDA because now the staff knows about these behind the scenes. They know the church isn't always going and going and doing everything perfectly. They know some of the warts and the wrinkles. And so I can see an anxious church going, we need to make sure that they don't share about what we actually do behind the scenes. Healthy leadership means balancing the imperfections with grace, stability, truth, even vulnerability, protecting the confidentiality, but not silencing as a means of cover-up. Like that needs to be a sort of important nuance to understand that there is protecting the confidentiality of things. Churches do have things that are confidential sometimes, knowing people's uh, backgrounds and mistakes or things like that, knowing how people have walked through restitution or, or re rest, you know, being restored into ministry or whatever, we, knowing some of that stuff. So protecting the confidentiality, but, and this is the big important but, not silencing as a means of cover-up. A leader will see more. I tell our leadership team that we need to make sure the people we are putting on the leadership team are people that can handle the frustrations of a church without becoming either bitter or discouraged. Emotional intelligence is needed to handle the complexity of people and their problems. Leadership and its problems without losing our way. So if a church is not wanting to be vulnerable, they want people to think that everything is good all the time. And, and I've even heard pastors saying that dealing with the mess will slow down the vision of the church. I could foreseeably see a church that thinks this person will be disgruntled when they leave and they will spout off about it on Facebook and we will look bad. Maybe there will be even a fear that they'll lie about things. Maybe they'll stretch the truth and there's this anxiousness that maybe they'll, they'll take it too far or may, make it appear worse than it was. And therefore, these leaders think 
Let's just have them be quiet about it all. Let's just have them sign a document and silence them and move along so we can, and this is where the rationalization comes in, we can keep on with the vision that God has given us without any distractions otherwise. This is legitimately the best case scenario still. And it's still not a good reason to use an NDA. It's selfish and not truthful. And there are far worse case scenarios, as I've mentioned above. And this became a bit more personal when I was working with a youth pastor at another church who was calling me for advice. After a lead pastor change, it seemed necessary for him to move on. And he needed advice on how to go about this in a healthy way. I can't get into all the details, but I, it began to get sketchy as the church was handling it and sending out letters that weren't really exactly truthful and making it sound better than it was and eventually even asking him for a verbal NDA, right? Like this idea of like, let's just agree to not discuss any of this anywhere else. And it only confirmed the departure and it only saddened my soul. For churches shouldn't be hiding things, concealing things. Sure, it starts with poor leadership, but where does it end? What else could you hide or cover up? Maybe initially you rationalize it by saying like, we don't need them to know our warts, but eventually you start to cover up much bigger things. And it's this slippery slope, if you want to use that analogy. It's this, this, this idea that once you start down that path, where does it end? What else could you hide? What else could you cover up? It's a dangerous precedent to start down. And it comes from a deeper issue of insecurity and anxiousness not wanting to face the uncomfortable or to look bad. We allow our anxiousness and the anxiousness of the world to infiltrate our decision-making, and we do something about it, like make employees sign an NDA. So now what? Well, if you are a church that has or is currently doing this, stop. Shred those documents and apologize to those you have made sign this. Maybe even go so far to have someone come in and make sure that nothing is being covered up that is criminal or immoral. The other thing is seek truth and goodness in all things. That's what a church should be about. Grace and truth and goodness. For the way forward as a church and as a church culture is through the non-anxious way. Continue to trust that God, who says he will build his church, will do it in, in spite of our messiness. He knows the imperfections, and he holds that in his hands as he works through it for our good and his glory, as Romans says. As we seek to become non-anxious churches, we have to remove NDAs from our purview. It's not a kingdom of God strategy. It's a strategy that companies use to keep business, inventing, tech secrets from getting to other companies. And in that world, sure, okay. But the kingdom of God doesn't harbor secrets. It flings the doors wide open. And if there is something innovative that your church is doing that you wouldn't want other people to know about, stop that. Because if it's helping people come to know Jesus and walk in his kingdom, you should be sharing it with as many churches as you can. Anxious churches will use non-disclosure agreements. Non-anxious churches won't. Let's be non-anxious churches together. Thank you for joining me this week for episode four of the Non-Anxious Church Project. Join me again next week 
where we can do it all again and talk some more. We got some interviews lined up coming up soon where we can talk about how other people have experienced the non-anxious or anxious churches or non-anxious churches and what does that look like. Please subscribe, pass the word along, give it to leaders, church members, and others that want to participate in this larger conversation that we need to have together. And I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at nonanxiouschurches at gmail.com. Stories of anxiousness or non-anxiousness and how that has infiltrated the church. God bless this week.